Fantasy Sports Today. It's going down right here. Welcome to FST, yet another edition of a Super Bowl preview, and I'm joined today by my guest, Justin Freeman, who wrote an article that really piqued my interest, and I wanted to get in touch with him. Uh, Justin is a contributor for Numberfire. You can find him on Twitter, at Justin Freeman 18 So the article that he wrote, and first of all, welcome to the show, Justin. Appreciate you joining me this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Terrible timing. I was—I just had a coworker tell me that my favorite restaurant has a cauliflower crust pizza, and I was just googling that on their menu because I'm like keto crazy, and this is like a game changer for me. So ah, you really so... interrupted something important. <laughs> I'm starting to pull you away from from the keto search, but uh, I appreciate your yeah, efforts. Man. Are are you? I, I saw in your timeline that you might be suspending it for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. You got to get some bread in there. Yeah, man, I got to tip one out for C.J. Anderson, who's uh, leading the way on on the team poundage. And, uh, yeah, man, we're, we're going to let it fly. Buffalo wings, pizza, the whole nine yards. Uh, what's your, what's your, uh, your like, dip of choice when it comes to chips and dip and that whole deal? So I, I'm not as huge on those types of dips, actually, as other yeah. people are. So I will – I'm really like a guac and salsa kind of guy, even on stuff that may not seem like – it goes well together. With buffalo wings, I'm just sort of straight up. If they happen to be hot, I'll throw a little yeah. bit of blue cheese on it, but I'd rather just take yeah. the heat and uh, deal with it, wash it down with some uh, adult beverages or something. Man, you're speaking my language. Isn't this the best Sunday of the year? I love it. I do love it, and I always just sort of chill out on Monday, don't do much in the way of work. I'll probably do a couple of radio spots uh, later in the day, but I like to take my time, close the book on the NFL season, read all the coverage, watch all the interviews, and uh, just kind of settle in. But you're right. It it is a fun day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be doing uh, broadcast live from 12 to 3 on Super Bowl Sunday for the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and then jetting home. Uh, in order to head over to a Super Bowl party. I prefer to be at my house, but this year uh, we're going over to the in-laws. Oh, visitor territory. That's uh, yeah. you got to adjust to that, you know. <laughs> I know. I got little kids, too, so we got to figure out a way to shuffle them out of there without me missing any action. I, I don't really care about <laughs> this, the halftime show that much, so that seems like uh, as yeah. good a time as any. Uh, I can always watch it later if I feel like it's it's worthy of it. So, uh, well, good stuff. Go. Again, th- thanks for coming on here. Uh, and, and the article that piqued my interest was you uh, stating why Jared Goff will outduel Tom Brady uh, to win Super Bowl MVP. And I had uh, Davis Maddock on yesterday, and I've obviously spoken with a, a ton of people regarding this game and, and read and listened to even more coverage. And it seems like the Rams are going to have to, in some way, set up the Patriots a little bit by moving away from 11 personnel to some extent, which has been very popular for them this year. They run 11 personnel more than any other team in the league and have obviously been successful at it. So... I'm curious why you think, if you think that's true, that they move to 12 personnel more often, A, and then B, uh, why do you think Goff's going to be so successful in this game? Yeah, so 
I think what's more important than the personnel actually is who's lining up either offset or behind Jared Goff in the running back position. You know, C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley have been sort of splitting those duties with, honestly, C.J. Anderson outperforming Gurley in several of the most recent games, uh, excluding Dallas. But I think with Gurley on the field, that's when the Rams will have their biggest advantage offensively. Um, Getting Gurley paired up in the passing game against those uh, slower linebackers from the Patriots, I think that is that is the edge that I'm hoping McVay will capitalize on. So um, that puts the game more so in Goff's hands. And versus on the other side of the ball, you know, you're going to see a lot of Tom Brady and Sony Michelle, you know, sort of taking turns. And the the Patriots have honestly their pace has been tremendous over the last. Uh, several games they've really started to increase the number of plays that they're running and so Brady's attempts are up Michelle's attempts are up and really I mean everybody in that Patriots backfield is getting plenty of work Um, but honestly every handoff to Sony Michelle is just like you know taking away from a Tom Brady opportunity that is worth so much more in terms of expected points and uh, for those of you not familiar with net expected points that's number fires a proprietary metric for measuring the value of a specific play. And every time Tom Brady drops back, uh, it's worth a good bit more than when they put the ball in the belly of Sonny Michelle. You know, roughly three or four times as valuable. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and it seems like the manner in which they're going to have to attack the Rams is going to be really, if they choose to trust Brady uh, over Michelle in, in this particular game, it's going to have to be a lot of James White. Pressure coming up the middle from Donald and Sue is really uh, Tom Brady's enemy, and you would think that they would counteract that by hitting up White and Edelman a considerable amount of times. It would not shock me if those guys saw a combined 25 uh, or more targets because I think Brady's going to want to get rid of the ball quickly in the passing game, and White and Edelman are good ways to counteract the Rams. Exactly. Yeah, that short to intermediate passing range for the Patriots would seem to be their bread and butter when when they do get away from the running game, which has obviously been more and more part of their offense. And, you know, it's funny, you know, these two teams have kind of gone in opposite trajectories. And I think that that sort of recency bias is leaning us to believe that each team is maybe sort of a more hyperbolic version of themselves, like the Rams aren't nearly as good as they were to start the year. Well, yeah, nobody's as good as the Rams were to start the beginning of the year. They were incredible. They were lights out. And and now the Patriots, who started out slow and seem to be building up at just the right time, you know, what I notice when I'm running the numbers on both of these teams, at least from the offensive side of the ball, New England has been extraordinarily consistent. Their sort of range of outcomes, both with rushing and passing, has been very, very steadily inclining over the past several weeks. Whereas if you look at uh, the Rams on the other side, they've been extraordinarily volatile. They have a really good week where golf is crushing, uh, and they'll have a really bad week where they've, uh, you know, golf throws a couple picks. And so, you know, you see one that's super consistent and one that's super volatile. And so really what you're hoping for is to embrace, like lean right into that volatility if you're the Rams, you know. We rely on splash plays. We rely on getting guys wide open and scheming those guys open. So, you know, this is like the ultimate coach's duel to me. I agree. Between McVay and Belichick. Like, I did, that's the part that like, I geek out about. Like, who, who is going to 
take advantage of these matchups because there are small edges to be had all over the field. And I think just from series to series, you'll see each coach, uh, you know, gradually tweaking those things. So is it going to be the innovation of McVay or the grizzled experience of Belichick? Yeah, what I like about what I like about the matchup for the Rams, and I, I'll say that I'm I'm picking the Patriots in this game, uh, but I I don't at all. The Patriots have played every Super Bowl tight, and I do think the Rams absolutely have a chance, but. I am concerned because I, I think this is – it's not a consensus by any means, but I think a lot of us, yourself, Davis Maddock, myself, feel like it's going to have to be a monster girly game. And I just don't – I'm not entirely sure that Gurley is physically capable of it right now. The offensive line is fine. C.J. Anderson obviously has been running well. But I just don't know, as much as they've thrown cold water on it, that Gurley – is a hundred? He's certainly not a hundred percent, but I don't know if he's even eighty percent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's the biggest question mark to me as far as uh, personnel goes for this week. What, what is Todd Gurley at this point? We saw two weeks ago against Dallas, or two games ago against Dallas, he looked like the Todd Gurley of old. Last week, he drops a couple passes early and is basically eliminated from the game by his own coach, who's lost confidence in him. So, I mean, is there a confidence issue between Gurley and or McVay? Um, you know, is Gurley in his own head at this point? You know, like I, said, I think at this point in the year, everybody's a little bit banged up, but it's hard to tell exactly, you know, what part of or what percentage of Gurley's poor performance is injury-related. You know, I yeah. tend to believe that, you know, with him not being listed on the injury report, that he's mostly fine. He's like in no way, obviously, of – being jeopardized to miss the game. He's not missing the game, but he's, he's, he's going to kind of stir the drink there for the Rams offense, you know, especially in the passing game. I think if, if Gurley can get, um, you know, 70 yards or more in the passing game, that, that's like, you know, you couldn't ask for a better script for, for a Rams victory, in my opinion. I agree. And on the flip side, we, that we, the Patriots are obviously well known for trying to eliminate a particular option in the past, even against offenses like the Chiefs, they were comfortable with the running backs. Whether it was Damian Williams or Kareem Hunt in the past, in the past, gaining as many yards as possible, putting up huge games against them because they felt like um, they would rather choose death by paper cuts than death by explosive plays, and they eliminated Tyreek Hill from doing that last week. So, do you think similarly? that Brandon Cooks will be the guy that they will try to take out of this game? You have to think so, right? I mean, Cooks' targets have been deceptively good over the last several weeks. He's been right there with Robert Woods, who we think, yeah. you know, Robert Woods equals volume and, and reliable receptions. But Brandon Cooks has been right there with him and obviously had a 100-yard game um, this, past, this past game against the Saints. And... I think you will see similar concepts because you think which one of these two guys scares you as far as being a lid lifter. You know, Cooks is definitely that Tyreek Hill prototype as far as, you know, the role in the offense is concerned. Obviously, different different players entirely. But, um, you know, Robert Woods being the, the chain mover. And so I don't think it's unrealistic to expect, you know, double coverage with, with two of the, the Patriots, you know, lesser cornerbacks or safeties, uh, safety help being put on Cooks. Meanwhile, you're putting Stephon Gilmore on Robert Woods and possibly shadowing him wherever he goes. 
you know, to, to put sort of best on second best, so to speak, and, and give the matchup there to the defense. And so what that does, obviously, is opens up all that stuff underneath. I mean, this is where I think Todd Gurley, um, possibly, uh, you know, Woods, if he, if he kicks into the slot with Josh Reynolds in the lineup, or possibly Gerald Everett even becomes kind of interesting this week as far as a, a cheap option if you're playing the, D, the DFS slate. Um, if he can get on the field, which, I mean, that's, that's another one of our big questions, the 11 versus 12 that you asked earlier, you know, who are we going to see more routinely from this Rams offense? And I, I do think that having Josh Reynolds on the field and, and kicking Robert Woods more so into the slot is a better matchup than having Gerald Everett on the field, who I do like a lot. I love Everett. But, um, you know, I think, I think Woods in that matchup is, is a place to take advantage. So now you've got Woods and Gurley running against interior defenders, which is a plus for the Rams. That's absolutely a plus. And I think to go back to your earlier point uh, regarding McVeigh, even though he's young, I appreciate, and I think everybody does, appreciates the manner in which he coaches because he does coach aggressively, and it's not reckless, but he coaches aggressively. Right. And we've seen the Patriots take advantage of teams that don't call aggressive game plans. They they should have lost the AFC Championship game last year had Doug Marone had any confidence in Blake Bortles whatsoever and been slightly more aggressive. They probably hang on to win that game. We saw the Atlanta Falcons, obviously, famously in the Super Bowl, did not call an aggressive enough game. You could make some arguments that early in the Chiefs game last week, Andy Reid prob- Andy Reid and the Chiefs in general made some mistakes by, you know, missing plays and, and really there's a variety of stupid plays over the course of that game by the Chiefs that prevented them from winning. But the reality is McVeigh is going to be aggressive and he's not going to back down. He'll go on fourth down when it's appropriate. He might throw in a fake like he did last week. <laughs> Belichick's in love with their punter anyway. They have a really good kicking game, the Rams do. So those are the types of things that where the Patriots normally try to exact an edge against people. Special teams yep. for the Rams, particularly their two kickers, uh, and the aggression with which their coach calls plays, I think can neutralize what is normally an advantage for the Patriots. Yeah, and there's a lot of good studies out recently about how coaches do become more aggressive later in the season. And you're right as far as, you know, sometimes it's the old adage, are you playing to win or playing not to lose? And we get on coaches all the time when they're playing not to lose and they they lose, right? You know, the other team is given just enough life to come back. And so we do see that kind of wipe itself out in the playoffs. You know, teams do become a little bit more bold as the season goes on. And it seems like the Patriots, they're not your average team. So whatever your strategies typically are throughout the season, as far as the amount of time you want to give your opponent with one possession games, um, some of your fourth down decisions throughout the game, you know, whereas you would normally punt in a regular game, you better be thinking about going for it on fourth and short against the Patriots. You better be thinking about, you know, stealing some possessions one way or the other because I mean, they are clearly a better coach team and they clearly have some sort of magic around that franchise that's existed, you know, for, for what, going on 20 years now. Um, so, like, like you said, you got to keep your foot on the gas. And McVay seems like the exact type of coach who is not afraid to do that. You know, he's not going to go put his head on his pillow Sunday night and say, I wish I had been a tad more aggressive here or there. He just doesn't seem like that type. 
No, not at all. And, you know, I, I've always said about the Patriots, they're just really good at winning games in the margins. And, and it's little things, the, the bend-don't-break defense, where they're okay with you to try to methodically get the ball down the field and force you into a field goal. Um, yeah. And you look at their average drive time for their opponents, the Patriots have the best stat in the league. They they get their opponents off the field on third down. The Patriots, conversely, are excellent offensively on third down. So it's their the manner in which Belichick coaches situational football that sometimes baffles me that other coaches don't try to emulate that as much. Uh, I think McVay is one of those guys that does try to emulate it. So... Um, you know yeah. that'll be a good matchup. So, how about a few player props then? Since you're, since you like golf as much as you do, on FanDuel Sportsbook right now, his passing yard total is two eighty three and a half. Over yeah, under. so I think I think the the thing you've got to consider with player props is are you going to just pick a few and sort of go with a game script and see how they, you know, try to pick a few that align with each other so that you're kind of always rooting in the same interest? Are you doing it recreationally? Or are you going to try to, like, run the gamut and find value at every turn? You know, neither one of those is wrong. I'm, I'm sure the sports book would appreciate it if you're doing it recreationally and not trying <laughs> They're to They're building new buildings day. out in Vegas every day, Justin, so they're happy to take all wages. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, you know, I, for, for me, like I've not been big into the uh, sports betting market yet, but um, I do like the idea of, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, you're having fun, you want to throw 20 bucks on a handful of wagers. Um, I like the thought of, you know, picking the team that you want to root for and, and sort of lining your, your bets up accordingly because you can still find value there in, in some of those bets without throwing your money down the drain. Uh, or, you know, you could obviously hedge. But as far as uh, Goff's passing yards go, I just have a hard time imagining a Rams victory without Goff hitting that particular yardage threshold. You know, I think I'm he's going to get to 300 yards. Um, I think that's just going to be necessary. Uh, if you tell me it's a low-scoring slugfest where the teams keep it tight, then, I, you know, I favor, I favor the, the Patriots in a super tight game. I really do. Um, but if, if you tell me the game – you know, it starts to get a little wacky, and teams are just throwing it all over the yard. I honestly like McVay's offense. You know, this is not necessarily like me saying Jared Goff is better than Tom Brady or the quarterback I'd rather have, but I do like this Rams offense. I do think people have forgotten how good they are just because of some of the recent performances and what they're capable of doing. You know, there's no Cooper Cup, and a lot of people have pointed to the splits before and after Cooper Cup, and yeah, I mean, that, that's fine, and very possibly the team desperately misses him. However, um, we've seen some spike weeks from them despite of that. And so I, I do have confidence that, you know, given the full two weeks, you're going to see the, the restrictor plate taken off of this Rams offense, and that definitely means hitting the over for Jared Goff passing yards. Yeah, I, I, the, my favorite prop bet, I talked a little bit about this yesterday with Davis Maddock, was – you can get on certain books, and I, I saw it yesterday on mybookie.ag, and if you're in a state where there's gambling, I'm sure you can find this one, but will there be a successful two-point conversion? You can get it anywhere from plus 170 to plus 200. The, the, the last, last year, there was actually not a successful two-point conversion, but the pri- previous two Super Bowls, there were, 
and the manner in which teams go for two now, especially these two teams, yeah. uh, I think it's likely, much more likely than not, and you're getting plus money on a wager like that, that is a that is a real value bet, and I think just betting on one successful two-point conversion is one that I really like a lot. Davis has already placed a wager down on it. Yeah, and that, that parlays perfectly into sort of what we were talking about earlier with more aggressive decision-making later in season. I think it was Kevin Cole who was tweeting that out uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, but it, it, it really is interesting. Coaches sort of become the video game Madden coaches who we've always <laughs> been, you know, and start calling the game from the hip. And, and you know, it, it makes for a more exciting game. And so, yeah, if you think that, uh, you know, the scoreboard starts getting a little bit dicey towards the end of the game, and teams are thinking about extending, you know, a one-possession lead out to a two-possession lead or something like that. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to go ahead and put that offense back on the field for a two-point conversion. I love it a lot. Um, I heard Elliot Christ and uh, Evan Silva talking yesterday about some player props, and they mentioned one was uh, over under two-and-a-half uh, um, pass attempt, uh, players attempting pass attempts. Uh, and I yeah, thought yeah. that was an interesting one. That is an interesting um, you one, know, yeah. because will you see a fake punt? Will you see some sort of end around pass? Will you see a halfback pass? You know, um, you know, when a team gets two weeks to think about uh, the different wrinkles that they see on film and how to exploit that, I kind of like the over for that bet a, a lot. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are not shy about it, whether it's Johnny Hecker or Brandon Cooks or, or Robert Woods. They'll throw somebody else out there. Uh, to throw a pass, yeah. the Patriots have obviously the Patriots ran a flea flicker last week, but I don't know that anybody else threw the pass other than Brady. But we obviously have seen right. them just in the Super Bowl last year do it, and we saw them previous years in the playoffs uh, throw flea flickers. Amendola, Edelman involved in a in a really big touchdown pass a couple of years back. So uh, yeah. to your point about the aggressive play calls, the one thing I would caution people out at regarding these player props is that. Vegas has these numbers very sharp at this time of year. And I can tell you that we looked at the Jared Goff, Drew Brees pass attempts props going into the NFC Championship game last week. And they were each, they were both 36 and a half. And at the end of regulation, both quarterbacks had thrown 36 passes. Wow. I mean, they, <laughs> they hit it on the money. So they obviously both went over because it went to overtime. But to give you a sense of how close Vegas was on hitting that, They're they got sharp, it down man. to within it. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And these player props are sharp. I hit Ted Ginn over last week because of that big pass. I didn't get the Traquan Smith over. I thought that one was a lock, and he only caught one pass for 10 yards. Um, we had a little fun with a James Devlin prop last week because it was 100-1, to one, <laughs> but the reality is Burkhead stole those touches, and we should have had Burkhead, at, which I think was 27-1. to one. So, um, And that was a two-touchdown, two two-plus-touchdown prop. So, um Oh, There's obviously a lot of good player props you can get out there from a variety of books, whether it's FanDuel or MyBookie or, or wherever else. But uh, keep searching out there and have a little bit of fun with it. So let's wrap it up with looking uh, over at DraftKings. Uh, I'm looking at the Millie Maker set up right now. Uh, and uh, it's obviously a showdown slate, so you're picking your captain and then your five flex plays. So... it's always The showdown is always tricky, right? You're going to have... a people that have the same lineups as you 
but who is it that you put into the captain? You don't necessarily always want the high-priced guy in there because his salary is times and a half. His points are times and a half, too, but uh, who's the one guy that you are looking for to have a captain? You probably want both quarterbacks in the lineup, but it would be hard to have them as a captain. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's there's a bajillion ways to, to build lineups for this, and honestly there's there's quite a few options because of the, the price points. There's such scattered price points. Uh, for all of these players, that it's so easy to see any of them returning like you know triple value on their salary. And even your guys sort of towards the bottom of the order, your Burkheads, your Chris Hogan's, you know Burkheads uh, 4.8k, and you could easily see him falling into the end zone and picking up you know 100 all-purpose yards or something yeah. like that uh, with a couple catches along the way. If he does that, you know, then he makes a tremendous captain because now you're able to get in a ton of other guys, the high-priced guys that you know need to be in your lineup, your Goths, your Bradys. Um, you know, Todd Gurley is really kind of the interesting guy to figure out whether you want him in your lineup or not. And you can, if you're trying to win a GPP, which, you know, most people who are playing the showdown slates, you know, you're not playing cash games, you're playing GPPs. Right. Now, I'll say that, you know, most, for, for the most part. Um, but, you know, it kind of makes you think, you know, we've seen Gurley's ceiling throughout the season, and we know that he's, you know, very capable of eclipsing 30 points, probably better than anybody else on this slate, and he's priced down at only 9K. That's $1,800 cheaper than Julian Edelman. That's, you know, $1,600 cheaper than Tom Brady, $1,000 cheaper than Jared Goff. And so I've been experimenting a lot with Gurley in the captain spot. And, you know, while I realize that the range of outcomes for Todd Gurley is wide, um, I'm also sort of uh, banking on the fact that everyone else is kind of running away from Todd Gurley and a little bit scared. You know, maybe they want to hedge and throw him in the lineup, but few people would be brave enough to throw him in the captain spot. And, um, you know, whereas, you know, some of your other captain spot lineups that would make a lot of sense are some of these Rams pass catchers uh, make a lot of sense. If you yeah. play a Robert Woods or a, or a Brandon Cooks, you know, who could easily go over 20, you know, then they're going to go over 30 in your uh, in your captain spot. And, you know, they save you just enough salary where you can jam in one more stud. And, yeah, I think Julian Edelman is, is another guy who you want to try to make a decision on. He's about as consistent as it comes from, you know, as far as a floor and ceiling play from a wide receiver. I mean, you know he's getting 10 targets this game. I mean, it's He's gotten at least ten targets, I think, in in something like seven straight playoff games, and yeah. so James White yeah, interested he, for that reason to, too. Yeah, exactly. So, do you want to uh, do you want to fade a guy you know who's who's more than likely going to have at least seven catches and seventy yards? Um, you know, you, you could if you thought that uh, you wanted to be a little bit contrarian, but. Um, and especially at that salary, maybe maybe what you're saying by not playing Julian Edelman is not just that he doesn't have a great game. Sure, he may not have a great game, but he may not have enough to pay off that particular salary. So, you know, if Edelman does go seven for 70 with no touchdown, then you probably did the right thing by fading him, uh, given his price point at, at you know, 10.8. So uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of different ways to play it. I kind of like, um, you know, sort of a, a mid to high price guy in the captain spot. And uh, I think the kickers become, honestly, really interesting this week. I'd not play any defense, but um, – and honestly, Greg Zerline is, is still on the injury report, and he's yeah. he's sick, and he's got some sort of uh, lower leg injury. And so yeah, foot issue, that's yeah. something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to impact him. 
Um, but, uh, you know, if you think that the Rams work their way down the field with ease and, and New England plays that bend-but-don't-break defense and is totally fine giving away three-pointers, um, then, you know, somebody like Zerline makes a lot of sense, and he's only 3,400. Yeah. Um, last guy I'll ask you about uh, before uh, we get out of here is Gronk. Um, two questions. A, do you think it's his last game? Because I do. Uh, and B, uh, do you think do you buy into the narrative at all that they may feed Gronk because it's his last game? Get him a touchdown, get him as many catches as possible. So, it seems like they've been saving him to peak at the right time, which is sort yeah. of peak Patriots, right? Like they've, yeah. you know, they have managed his health. He's been staying in on pass protection. He's been assisting in the run game. He's just been kind of a a grinder. He hasn't been taking as many shots over the middle of the field. And it's almost like the Patriots are fine with that. And so, granted, if you were a Gronk owner throughout the year, uh, you're probably not very thrilled with that particular strategy. But he's kind of he's kind of available now. He's, he's back in the picture. Now, do I think that the Patriots are going to just, like, force-feed him targets because it's his last game? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And if, if, if Gronk is in a matchup that leads to them winning, they're going to exploit it. And uh, if, he's, if he's not, because me, you can look at the tape and see he is just moving so much slower. He's got a piano on his back that he seems to not be able to get rid of. And yeah. um, you know, I, think, I think you'll see a pretty moderate uh, projection of something like seven targets for Gronk, uh, I think feels about right. And so the question is, what does he do with that? We know that, like, He's not outrunning anyone, but he seems to generate separation by guys bouncing off of him. So it's not without a question that he could get you know a thirty yard gain here or there. So you know the 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 range of expectations for Gronk kind of ventures anywhere between a two touchdown game and an absolute stinker. But I don't think you'll see any extra effort to get Gronk the ball unless the matchup is there. Um, but he's certainly one of those guys you have to make a stand on. He's at 6K. He's right in the middle of the pack as far as your uh, your showdown lineups are concerned. Um, for me, I'm going to have a kind of moderate exposure to Gronk uh, just because I don't want to be left out completely in the dry if uh, if he does have one of those games, which he's you know, he's clearly capable of. Well, uh, I appreciate you spending some time with me this morning. This is Justin Freeman. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Justin Freeman 18. Give me a prediction, a score maybe, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I'm going with the over. A lot of heard, heard a lot of fantasy analysts going with the under on this one. I like the over, but that's probably also because I like golf, and I think if golf wins, it's, it's kind of a shootout type deal. And so I'm going something like uh, uh, 30, 38 to 27 Rams. Good stuff. Thank you. Uh, I'm Mike Blewett. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Blewett. That was Justin Freeman at Justin Freeman 18. Thanks.